stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and I'm going solo this week to talk about the secret weapon of long-term stock investors. Some of you may guess what it is. It is, of course, dollar cost averaging. Now, while we're having this sell-off in the stock market here in 2022, I'm sure many of you are hearing all about dollar cost averaging, or you're just hearing people say, don't stop putting money into your 401k or your IRA. Keep funding it every month, even if it keeps going down, because this is the time to be buying, right? I keep hearing this. I even like heard it on the radio this morning. I hear it on TV. I hear it on like Twitter. People keep talking about it. But we now have the S&P 500 down over 20% and the NASDAQ down 30%. So it does kind of make some sense, right? You're getting those indexes on sale if that's what you were dollar cost averaging in or you know every month into some kind of long-term account but there are really two different kinds of dollar cost averaging and i don't really put them in the same category so the first one is the indexes and the second one is individual stocks so the indexes are kind of what we were just talking about, right? That's what most people tend to put their money in, in like a 401k or an IRA. You just, you know, put it into the major indexes. You might have like a small cap fund, a mid cap. You might have an S&P or a NASDAQ type of fund in there. And those are relatively easy because you were already putting it in every month before the downturn. So if you're not really paying that much attention to it, you just kind of keep doing it during the downturn. So you are automatically dollar cost averaging on those indexes. And those indexes, I feel it's a little bit easier to dollar cost average those because um, at some point the indexes are going to turn around because it's a basket of stocks. In case of the S&P 500, it's literally 500 stocks in there. And it's going to move higher, or at least it has over the last, you know, 75 to 100 years. Ultimately, the major indexes have uh, risen as earnings of those companies have risen. So um, that's something to keep in mind. But over even a relatively long period of 10 years, sometimes the indexes don't go anywhere either. So if you put $10,000 in the S&P 500 in 2000, that was at the, you know, near the peak of the stock market after the dot-com boom, then um, by 10 years later in 2010, those indexes, that index was actually worth less. And I tried to find these articles because this is all anyone was writing about and talking about in 2010, because it was like a 10 year anniversary type of article. And it was, you know, 10 years after the top of the dot com boom and that huge bull market. And it was something like 10,000 invested in 2000 was worth like $9,600 by 2010. And don't forget, we did have the massive sell-off in 2008-2009 um, in there too, which also kept it depressed even though it did hit new highs in 2007. So that was a secular bear market 
where the index really just doesn't go anywhere. Even, even if it hits the high, it doesn't hold it and, you know, trends back down. So there were all these articles talking about how terrible stocks were as an investment because the 10,000 then was worth like $9,600 10 years later. But how many people really bought $10,000 worth on that exact day in 2000 and never bought again for 10 years? Sure, there may be a very small percentage, very, very small. But most of us, again, are putting new money into the market and dollar cost averaging in some way, unless, you know, we're well into retirement or something and then we're not, but all the rest of us are, we are dollar cost averaging or, or even just putting some money into work, uh, every couple of years or, you know, just, um, you know, randomly, let's just put it that way, but we're not just doing one and done. That is somewhat rare. So I always kind of uh, hated those articles from that year. But uh, what has it done since 2010? The S&P 500 is up big in the last 10 years off of that level. So if you move out even further from 2000 into 2020, for instance, before just before the pandemic hit, so that 20-year period, you were doing quite well on your initial 10000 But even if you had dollar cost average during all that time period, you were also doing well because the S&P 500 kept hitting new all-time highs in the last decade. So dollar cost averaging can work very good in the indexes over the longer periods of time. And it even can work if you're doing it in that shorter period because ultimately, the index is going to bottom at some point. The index in the early 2000s, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ both bottomed by, you know, 2003 and then went on to make the new highs, at least with the S&P 500 in 2007. So again, if you were dollar cost averaging during all those down years and you did get lucky and bought like at those real lows there, you were doing quite well by 2010. So that's why it works with the indexes. Um, so even if it's flat for 10 years or down slightly, I think it was down like 4% over that 10-year time period or something like that. So that's why everybody was like, stocks are worthless. They don't go anywhere. But that's a very specific example that very few people um, ever do. So um, that's why I hate it. But if you are doing individual stocks, it may be a different story. So it's a little bit trickier with the individuals. Now, I've already recounted my Microsoft story from the early 2000s, but I am going to repeat it again for those who did not listen to that episode of the podcast. And I don't mind repeating it, even though it's a sad tale for me um, at that time. But I started buying Microsoft shares after the bust had already started in 2000 and 2001, I opened up a new share builder account. It was this easy way and fairly cheap way to buy individual stocks. It was a whole new plan. It's now owned by E-Trade, but they actually shut it down. But it was where you could buy like $100 worth of a stock every month for a relatively low price. Yes, they were charging us to, to buy stock back then. Um, and it was an easy way to invest. And I opened it, I bought Exxon, and I bought um, 
some Apache and I bought Microsoft because why not? It was down off of its highs and considerably off. So it appeared cheap to me and company was still making billions. It was still Microsoft as, you know, the king, Microsoft, the king. And so this seemed like a good investment at the time. So I kept buying, I kept dollar cost averaging in 2002, 2003, it kept going down, but I bought more. That's the whole point of dollar cost averaging, right? Somewhere in there, they started paying a dividend because they had all that cash. So I, I think I got that. So at least I was getting something, but then even when it hit bottom, it didn't really go anywhere. So I was still dollar cost averaging, I think in like 2004, I think even like 2005, but again, it was going nowhere. My Apache and my Exxon were surging during that time period because they were in a bull. And I was like, you know, this isn't really going anywhere. It feels like I'm just kind of throwing the money out there. I am getting like a very, you know, smallish kind of dividend. So at least it's something, but it's, it's just, there's nothing going on. So I did sell it and I can't remember exactly when it was either like 2005 or 2006 and I got out of it. And I don't really think I had like a, a big loss at all. It might've been a little bit of a loss because the shares did keep going down while I was buying in those early years. And I, so I did have some at a higher price in those early years, but so it wasn't, was not a complete disaster by any means. And then, you know, stock didn't break out to new highs until 2013, numerous, numerous years later. So I have no regrets of selling it then because I did rotate the money into some other things that were doing much better. But this kind of tells you what can go on if you think, oh, sure, I'm going to dollar cost average that individual stock for like 10 or 15 years. That's a real long time. You think you're going to do it, but you do get the emotions involved and you see other individual stocks that are just performing so much better and you wonder, why am I in this? So it's a little bit different mentality than owning one of the indexes, right? Because again, the indexes will bottom at some point and will have some very good up years um, as they did during that whole time period. Then they'll also have very bad years like 2008, 2009, but all stocks had bad time then, but you know, you're eventually gonna, you know, see it rise a bit there, um, over those years, but it's not always the same with an individual stock. I mean, you may never get back to the highs, like a stock like Cisco, where that came down big and then kind of sat there and basically hasn't really done much or gone anywhere for another, you know, 15 years. So over 20 years with Cisco of basically not going anywhere. And then there's the companies that maybe won't survive. Now, there are the extreme examples like Pets.com, it went IPO, and then it was like out of business within like 18 months or something. And it's, you know, delisted and bye-bye all the money you put into that one. But um, even some other, you know, bigger companies that weren't quite as speculative had a rough go of it in that time period, and especially during the Great Recession um, that took out some companies then too. So I don't like dollar cost averaging as much in individual stocks that have blown up big, like we're seeing now. Because when the trend changes from like growth to value, it could actually be a better decision to completely go in a new direction of the growth instead of trying to 
you know, oh, it's getting cheaper and following it down, chasing it down like I did with Microsoft, um, I could have just put the Microsoft money into the Exxon or the Apache, which were running the opposite direction at that time, right? They were in the bull and Microsoft was the one in the bear. Um, so you also own, if it's a big cap company that you're thinking of doing the dollar cost averaging in like a Microsoft or, you know, a Meta or Apple, you're going to own those big caps in an S&P 500 or NASDAQ anyways. So you're going to capture the upside on those. But dollar cost averaging into a company, say, like Etsy or Shopify, I mean, they're in a lot of the indexes as well, obviously, but they're not like a huge percentage of one of those indexes. So, um, you know, some of those feel very much to me like Microsoft in 2000, 2001 here, where it was, these were the big winners. This is the name everybody was in. Some fortunes were made, but now they've come way down. They appear to be values, but the trend has changed. They're still good businesses. They're still making money, but they may take a while to regain, uh, you know, their former glory or even the momentum and so that's what why it's reminding me of the Microsoft time. And, you know, some of those have not yet probably even hit their bottoms. And then they may do what Microsoft and some of the others did when they hit their bottoms in like 2003. And that was basically go nowhere. Like even Amazon didn't go anywhere until like 2009 or something. Then it started to move higher quite a bit and then break out. So um, I know you're all sitting there, oh, I can wait four or five, six years for it to start moving. But what if it doesn't move? What if it's a Cisco instead of an Amazon? These are the issues with dollar cost averaging in the former hot stocks. Um, so dollar cost average in the indexes, that will pay off. But be careful in these former winners. Uh, don't look as much to dollar cost average in the growth but you may want a dollar cost average in the value, even as those are on the rise, like I did with Exxon and Apache early in those years. Um, it that those both those up through 2008 turned out to be a very good trade for me. So I thought I'd take a look at a few Zach's number one ranks. That means they also have rising earnings estimates. And some of the ones on this list that I, I just did a quick screen on Zacks.com for these stocks. And a lot of them, uh, you know, they're cheap, but they're Zacks number ones because I did want the cheapness. Um, but they're in the hotter areas, right? So Microsoft is not one of the stocks on here, but it is going to be energy. Some retailers, actually, some home builders still have rising earnings estimates, but that might not be for long. Uh, there's auto retailers on there. There's some of the uh, nurse and doctor staffing companies are on there and some other health kind of related uh, companies are on there. So these are all the stocks that may be in the other trend, the value trend. And these are the ones that, you know, you may want a dollar cost average into, especially if this sell-off continues, because in a major sell-off, all stocks are hit. Even, yes, even energy will have its pullbacks. 
And those can be very good buying opportunities if you're dollar cost averaging on those pullbacks and getting it a little bit cheaper on some of those buys. So I pulled out three stocks. They are in energy and retail um, because these are cheap and uh, kind of interesting. I've not really talked about a couple of these before. So the first one is Marathon Petroleum. This is the refiner. And I've kind of been avoiding the refiners, but the crack spread is in their favor. They do have rising earnings estimates and they are cheap. So Marathon Petroleum, ticker M as in Mary, P as in Paul, C as in Cat, MPC. These shares are up 63% year to date. So it's a little intimidating to look at that and go, yeah, I'm going to go dollar cost average that. But uh, again, it's still cheap. PE of just 7.5, price to sales ratio of 0.4, and you do get a dividend current, currently yielding 2.3%. So I still like the refiners. Uh, still, market conditions are good for them. But maybe you know, try to get it on any pullbacks. There are have been some so far this year. But that's uh, Marathon Petroleum MPC. Then my retailer is Signet, Signet Jewelers. Yes, everybody's getting married. We're having record weddings this year because everybody put them off during the pandemic, even last year, because they couldn't invite everyone they wanted to invite or they were just like postponing, you know, we'll wait a year. And now all the wedding venues are booked literally every single day of the week. So you may be attending a wedding on Monday or Tuesday this year. But everybody's buying rings or other jewelry as a result. So that's big business for them. Um, but the shares, which were surging for a while because business has been so good, are now down 31% year to date. So they've had the big pullback and super cheap here. PE of 4.7, price to sales of 0.4, dividend yielding 1.4%. These shares could go lower here. Just a warning, retail is real risky with the Fed raising rates because we're all getting hit by inflation, right? Every time we go to the pump, every time I go to the supermarket or even just eat out or attempt to fly somewhere, all of that is expensive. And so we may pull back on certain items that we were purchasing like jewelry or um, you know, just other non uh you know, staples that we don't need. So some of them could see a rocky road, especially if we go into recession. So that's why these shares are down 31% year to date. But again, dollar cost average, you don't have to throw a big amount into it all at once. If it keeps going down, you'll keep buying it cheaper because Signet, the business is still solid. It's still uh, one of the biggest jewelry chains and people are buying the jewelry online now. That's a big change during the pandemic. They got kind of used to it and now they are buying online. So um, keep that in mind with any of these retailers. But if you're scared to buy when stocks are going up, but you want something that's on the decline, then look at the retailers and especially Signet ticker S I G S as in Sam I G as in Gary S I G. Okay, the third stock is Total Energies, Total Energies. I call it Total because it's what they used to be. But Total Energies, TTE, they are a French oil, uh, big oil, basically, French big oil. So their competition is Exxon and Chevron, BP, and they pay the big dividend, yielding 5% right now. But these shares are only up 13.5% year to date. I don't know if that's because it's foreign they're worried about Europe. Um, 
you know, with the Ukraine war and all of that going on over there, people a little reluctant to buy foreign oil companies. But Total's one of the big guys, and it's cheap now. PE, 4.7, price to sales of 0.6. So all of energy is basically cheap right now. But if you're getting it under five times, that's really cheap. That's why they got the big dividend. So this is not a bad one, too, to dollar cost average. If you're looking for a dividend and you want energy and big oil means they do it all, the gas stations, you know, refining, uh, chemicals probably, and total the reason they are now called total energies is because they are, you know, moving into the clean energy area and renewables and all of that as well. So um, that's a different business than Marathon Petroleum, which is just the refining. And that's, you know, U.S. based is Marathon. So Total is T-T-E. T is in Tom, T is in Tom, E as in Edward. Okay, so there are a lot of other stocks on that list. Uh, it's not a bad time to be looking at the Zacks number one ranks. If you have Zacks Premium, you can look at them anytime you wish. And if not, we do have a Bull of the Day article always on the front of Zacks.com. And there's numerous other articles that are also like, you know, the top, you know, the five number one rank value stocks to buy now. We have a lot of those articles too on Zacks.com. It's Z-A-C-K-S.com. So go over there, check out those Bull of the Days. You can even look in the archives and check out the old ones. But the Bull of the Day is usually a Zacks number one rank, although I've occasionally had one that I've written where it's been a number one and then whoops, the next day, suddenly it's like a number two or a number three, but that's okay because there's something good going on there with those earnings estimates. If it's a Zach's number one rank and uh, the rank can change daily, remember, so that can get changed quite quickly on you. So it's a good idea um, to check those earnings estimates as well. If you can on Zach's.com and see, you know, which ones are rising but uh, the screen screening for for the number one ranks, you need Zach's premium or listen to this podcast because I'm always bringing you various different ranks on the podcast. But let me recap the stocks again that we did talk about here. So there was Microsoft. And by the way, I still do own it again. I did buy it, I want to say four years ago now, four maybe five. My, I think it was four. It was pre-pandemic. I did dive back in there, even though I had a little bit of trepidation, um, but I still own it right here. I have not dollar cost average on Microsoft because I do think there's better places I could be dollar cost averaging right now, but I'm still holding it for right now. So that's Microsoft MSFT. We did mention Shopify. I have I never have bought that one and um, I'm watching it. But again, I feel like it is in the category of a Microsoft it's circa 2002 or 2003, where the shares may just may not go anywhere for quite a number of years. So Shopify, S-H-O-P. And Etsy, one of my favorites, even before the pandemic, but it's come way down now. Uh, still love the business, but um, all the good times from the pandemic are basically over so it's going to get a little tougher on their business here, and it's not quite cheap enough for me to be interested. ETSY is the ticker there. Then we had the Zach's number one ranks. We had Marathon Petroleum, MPC, Signet Jewelers, SIG, and Total Energies, TTE. 
And as always, be sure to subscribe to get all of our podcasts because I'm going to have Mr. John Blank back on. He's our PhD economist here at Sachs and our chief equity strategist to talk again after the Fed meets here about what's going on with inflation, with the possibility of a recession, all of that. We have yields spiking. We have mortgages over 6%. There's a lot going on. We've got to get them back on here, right, to talk all about it. It's always a good episode. So be sure to subscribe. Get us somewhere. Apple Podcast. We're on uh, Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're on SoundCloud. But get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.